0: Hey, folks, and welcome to another edition of Dog Walk Talk presented to you by Dogs HQ. As always, I'm your host, Jake Roos. And with me, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, Palmer Toms, beat writer over at Dogs HQ. Palmer, hope you got some rest last night. Uh, don't know how well anybody in Dog Nation slept after that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly good to make the trip back from Atlanta to Athens. Um, and, you know, tough one for Georgia fans uh, coming out of that game. Certainly uh, good to get the news of today's college football playoff berth uh, because it's essentially a new season. Um, everything that's happened before today, we're recording here Sunday night as after Georgia lost on Saturday Saturday. And the playoffs were announced earlier today. Um, You know, nothing before today really matters. Uh, You know, once those final four teams are announced, Georgia will be playing Michigan in the Orange Bowl uh, on New Year's Eve. And and so, you know, now it's a two-game season, you know, win and, and you stay alive. Losing you go home, and, and I think that that's what Georgia fans have to keep in mind here uh, when you watch, you know, when you see SEC championship highlights, when you're watching these college football playoff shows and such. You're not going to hear a lot of great talk about Georgia coming out of that game because there wasn't a lot of great stuff to say about the dogs. but, you know, putting it in per, into perspective, the goal is to be a, one of these Final Four teams when, coming into the year, and, and then once you get here, it, you know, anything can happen.
0: Yeah, like you said, uh, dogs push and reset on the season, essentially uh, back to OO, if you want to consider it that way. Um, I don't want to spend too much time harping on what happened in Atlanta, because I think everybody probably has heard a lot about it. Um, but let's dive in on it just a little bit. I mean, we have to talk about it somewhat. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, um, i uh, I picked Georgia to win. Um, I was surprised uh, how it shook out. I could not have foreseen what happened in Atlanta happening in the fashion that it did. And perhaps that was me being naive. Perhaps that was me being, um, uh, you know, maybe too close to the program and and watching that and haven't seen what Georgia's done all season. Um, But I I do think we did a fair job leading up to that uh, of kind of preaching this idea of respect for Alabama and Nick Saban. And rightfully so. I mean, I think that that was all completely justified, and you saw why we continue to harp on it so frequently here on Dog Walk Talk. Um, you know, overall, I, I mean, I'm just—I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It was a piss poor for performance. I thought that uh, it was—it was bad in all facets. The—the um, the defense was uh, completely lackluster. Uh, looked uh, unlike anything Georgia's put on the field this year. Uh, secondary looked confused. Uh, front seven created no pressure whatsoever Um, Alabama had their way offensively Jamison Williams there was no answer for and uh, dogs just got flat out smoked on that side of the ball uh, which was a huge surprise I mean that was what I said going into the game that was in my bold prediction was I said let your historically great defense carry this well your historically great defense got exposed, and uh, I, I think that you got to go back to the drawing board if you have any hope of, you know, ma- even making it past Michigan, let alone uh, you know a, a possible rematch with uh, Alabama or, or anybody else for that matter. You can't put the product that you put out there on the field last night and expect to win much offensively. Um, I, I, I don't know who said this on Twitter, uh, but I'm definitely copying this from somebody. So my apologies uh, to whoever it was, but it caught my eye and I thought it was correct. Uh, To me, uh, Stetson Bennett, maybe not the reason you lose that game, but when you got in that hole, you felt like it was over, probably because Stetson Bennett was the quarterback in that game. And and I did not understand the decision not to go to JT um, when that was the case. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. I, I you know that's something that hopefully we'll poke around and find out here over the course of the next week as to you know, maybe we can get some insight into this quarterback situation. I mean, Kirby's not gonna give anything up, certainly. So you're gonna have to go kind of back channel here and to, to find out what's going on if if there is something. But um, you know, uh offensive line under a little bit of duress, kind of played better. I mean, as the game went on, Georgia got better and that was probably what was frustrating. And I wrote that in the keys to the loss yesterday is it was just too little, too late for Georgia. Uh, the, The slow start combined with just an inability to stop Alabama, you get some three and outs, just nothing's going your way. And then, you know, you feel like you're in it there. Maybe, I don't know. There was about 10 minutes left in the game and if it, it was like a two score game and it was like, eh, maybe this is possible, but I just never felt like Georgia was in control uh, after, after I mean, really after Jameson Williams kind of took over. Um, and, and I, I think that it could have even been worse if John Mechie would have been available. Um, so you know it was what it was from my perspective. I, I was sitting right next to you, Palm, but uh, I, I don't know that we we hashed all this out yesterday. Uh, your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, you did a really good job of summarizing the game there. I think that it was just an all around demoralizing performance, uh, for the dogs. I think that you know, I, I like to kind of break it down position by position, and, and for me, it starts with the quarterbacks. Um, you know, Stetson Bennett like you said, wasn't, wasn't the reason that Georgia lost, but he didn't do anything to help Georgia win. Right. Um, You know, in in fact he probably, and he said it earlier this week uh, or I guess last week at this point. uh, But he said, you know, more often than not, you do more to lose a game than you do win. Uh, And and I felt like that 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 was certainly the case here uh, on Saturday. I think that, You look back on Georgia's loss to Alabama in 2020 uh, with Stetson Bennett at the helm, and I think that he made a lot of the same plays, uh, you know, mistakes that he made in that game. I think, you know, I I mentioned it to you, but what has – made Stetson Bennett a better quarterback this year is he's not afraid to take off and run with the ball and and just pick up yardage when he needs to and I, and rather than trying to and he's said it rather than trying to run around and and you know be Johnny Manziel and, and you know extend a play to throw it he has just taken off and run with the ball he's not afraid to do it he's not afraid to put his shoulder down or slide or you know get in the heart of the defense and and take on a hit from a tough linebacker and he didn't do that against Alabama. Uh, he, you know, he did pick up a couple of first downs with his feet, uh, with his legs. But I think that there were opportunities for him to do even more. Um, well, I'll tell you what he's, first, not,
0: what he's not used to doing is throwing the ball 48 times in a game. Exactly.
1: Well, and, and, and Georgia isn't used to playing from behind. I mean, right. we, we looked it up in the press box, and his previous career high was last year against Alabama, also when they were playing from behind. So the, the, the passing attempts definitely is a factor of, of the way the game played out. But I think that, you know, if you look at his interceptions, uh, you know, it it was just mistakes that you're not used to seeing Stetson make. You know, him him trying to run around, extend a play, and and then throw the ball uh, into contested coverage on the first one, uh, you know, and then simply did not see the the safety coming across the middle – uh, on, on the pick six that Jordan Battle took to the house. And and that kind of felt like that one put the game away. I think yep. that if you look at what Georgia did coming out of the half, um, you know, they, they the Bulldogs were able to get several stops. Um, you know, I, I mean, it, it was, you know, 24 to 17 going into the half. Alabama comes out and scores. And and that was certainly, you know, backbreaking uh, for Georgia to allow a touchdown before the half and then a touchdown coming right out of the half uh you know the 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 two for one punch uh special for alabama there um but i think that you know georgia was it the defense tightened up a little bit after at that point they were able to get some stops but georgia wasn't able to turn it into scores they drove into you know alabama territory throw an interception uh you know then then they drive into alabama territory go for it on fourth down can't convert then you know really with their backs against the wall, they throw that pick six deep in their, you know, it, right, right close to midfield. It, I think it was intercepted at the 40 or 42 uh, of Georgia um, and, and battle took it to the house. And, um, you know, I, I think that was it. I think that Georgia, you know, I, I have I'll have to go back and watch the game again to really break down Todd Munkin's play calling. But I think that he abandoned the run a little bit early. Um, I th- I felt like you know Georgia was able to not necessarily not necessarily gash Alabama, but they were picking up four, five, four or five, six yards a pop uh, early in that game, and, and I was surprised with their ability to run the ball the way that they were you know moving the ball that way. Um, you know, and I felt like there were times that Georgia probably could have taken a shot. Uh, with with some of the ability that they were having to run the ball, some of the success, uh, but they, you know, kept going to it and they kept picking up yardage. And I think that says a lot, um, but ultimately they did have to go away from it. And like you said, Bennett throws the ball 48 times. Um, You know, I think if, if you had said to me before the game, sets a minute throws for 340 yards and three touchdowns, I would have been pretty confident in Georgia's chances to win the game. Uh, But, you know, it's the two interceptions and the inability to convert in the red zone, um, you know, th- that really caught did did amend Brock Bowers, great game from him. Uh, yeah. You know, in terms of the pass catchers, I think that the two uh, you know, if there were two positives that you do take out of this game, it's, it's that George Pickens made a play uh, you know, th- th- he is, you know, was targeted five times uh, you know, and, and had two catches in, in those five times. Um, but uh, you know, for 41 yards, but the 37 yarder, uh, downfield really reminded, you know, I I said it to you, you could really see all the fans in red and black stand up with that one as as that ball was going to George. And and when he came down with it, the crowd really understood what that meant. And that meant that George Pickens was back. There's a plan for him to continue to be back. Uh, You know, you you saw that come into play here. Uh, He did more than he did against Georgia Tech. He did more against Georgia Tech than he did against Charleston Southern. Of course, against Charleston Southern, he dresses out, doesn't play, ends up dressing out against Tech, plays, has one catch, uh, but really wasn't a big factor in that in that you know game plan. Uh, this, this one he was a little bit more of a factor. Like I said, five targets, two receptions, forty-one yards, uh, and and I think that with. With three more weeks of prep before Michigan, I think that he will be a, a big factor in that one. Um, he was on the field early and often, and uh, you know, I think that that will continue to be the case. I think that we can potentially see Pickens back into the playmaker that he was. Uh, but, but really the, play, the big playmaker for Georgia yesterday was Brock Bowers. Ten receptions on 16 targets, which is outstanding to me. Uh, you know, that, that number stands out a lot. 16 targets, uh, 139 yards, one touchdown. Um, you know, g- going back to the play calling, I really would have liked to see, uh, you know, it, it, in order for Georgia to give themselves the best chance to win, I feel like they needed to get the ball downfield more. Uh, you know, when, when they did abandon the run and they went to the pass. That it was a lot of screens. And, and I felt like, you know, if, if Georgia was going to try and get back into this game playing from two scores down, they were two or three scores down, they were going to have to get the ball downfield. Uh, and, and they weren't able to do that. I, I don't know whether that's Stetson Bennett. Um, that's not necessarily his his game. His is more, you know, short to intermediate passes and taking what's given to him versus getting the ball out downfield. He's shown that he's able to do it. But is that his MO? Is that what he wants to do? I don't necessarily think it is. I think that's more JT Daniels' style. I think he is a guy that can get the ball out quickly and accurately downfield. Um, you know, he's not going to make the plays that Stetson does with his legs. And, and that's certainly been the mobility has certainly been a factor for uh, in the decision making for Georgia to roll with Stetson as long as they have. Uh, but I think that it's absolutely something that you've got to consider. Um, you know, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, And I know I'm going long here, (laughs) running out of breath a little bit, but um, I I think that the way that Georgia played Alabama, they're going to have to reconsider, obviously, Um, you know, if they if they end up playing Alabama again, you know, it's it's why it's tough to beat a team twice, because if you're Alabama, you don't want to change a thing from the game plan that you just had versus if you're Georgia, you have nothing to lose but changing you know, you know, by changing your game plan, Um, you know. So if if you're Georgia, you want to, you you know, obviously you want to be able to get pressure on the quarterbacks, but you don't necessarily want to put as much pressure, you know, if you're not able to do that, like Georgia wasn't able to do, uh, you know, against Alabama yesterday, you don't want to put that pressure, you know, in turn on, on your secondary. And that's especially playing some of these playmakers that Alabama has. Obviously, you know, if Georgia were to match up with them again, it would, they wouldn't have John Mechie. Um, you know, and, and Jameson Williams would be that guy. Um, I, I think that they've obviously got other playmakers outside of those two, though, with the talent that they recruit. Um, you know, Brooks is another guy, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, that is, who caught the game tying touchdown against Auburn. Uh, you know, highly rated guy coming out of high school. Um, You know, I I think that there are guys that will step up in, in absence of Mechie. Again, just like Georgia has three weeks to, you know, kind of consider things Alabama does too. And that'll be a point of emphasis for them. Um, But I think that you've got to relieve some of the pressure that's put on the secondary by not getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, and, And whether that is getting more pressure on the quarterback You know, it's a lot easier said than done when you're playing an offensive line like what Alabama has, um, you know, one that stepped up to the task um, yesterday against Georgia. So I I think that overall, you've, you've got a lot to consider if you're Georgia. Um, a lot of time to consider it and, and, and a matchup that's probably pretty favorable uh, for the bulldogs in terms of just game style uh, you know Michigan wanting to be a more physical team run first team uh, that's that's what Georgia likes to do they like to stop the run uh, they don't like to be put in situations where they are you know being pressured on the back end of things um, you know Kirby even said it today we talked with him. Uh, after the announcement of of the matchup with Michigan and the Orange Bowl selection, um, I, I think that, you know, he, he said some of the flaws of the secondary have been covered up by their ability to get pressure. And that was certainly evident yesterday. Um, so I think that maybe that this matchup with Michigan might be favorable, uh, but you've certainly got things that you want to address. If, if, you know, like you said, if they end up matching up with Alabama again, certainly a lot that you're going to want to address before doing that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think you can take that for granted at this point. I mean, you, you just got to see a different performance. You, you got to see a different team. And perhaps this is, you know, I mean, you saw the, the punditry and the the SPN guys say, oh, you know, I think this makes Georgia a more dangerous team. I think this makes Georgia a bigger threat. You know, it's hard to win the rematch. And I agree with all those points. All that's all that is true. I mean, if you look at it, just break it down from a, a very basic standpoint. But the fact of the matter is, if Georgia plays like that again, they're going to lose again. And it doesn't really matter who they play. Uh, it could be Alabama. It could be Michigan. Um, you know, that uh, just is what it is. Um, You know, like I said, uh, just bad all around. I mean, there's nothing else really for me to say about it. I, I think everybody knows that. I think everybody saw it. Um, and it was a tough it, pill to swallow. It was. It was and with, it was, with, it, with it, the it regular
1: was, season that Georgia had had the expectations coming into this. It was game. hard
0: to believe. It was hard to believe mm-hmm. that Georgia had morphed into that team. Uh, coming off of what we've seen all season, whereas Alabama coming off of that Auburn game morphed into a totally different team. Suddenly their pass protection clicking on all cylinders, uh, you know, th- just out there dominating, uh, d- having their way with it. I think that that it, listen and I, I said this on the board and I'll say it again. Kudos to Nick Saban and Doug Marone, man, because they fixed whatever was leaking. I mean, they were coming into this game averaging about three sacks, given up on Bryce Young a game. Georgia came into the game averaging about three sacks a game. They kept Bryce Young clean yesterday. That was a huge, huge difference in this game. No question about it in my mind. Um you know, I, we, we've got weeks to, to break this down as many ways as we possibly can, and, and uh, I want to devote a few whole shows to some of these topics. Um, but I guess, you know, just quick thoughts on Miami in general. The Orange Bowl, uh, I'll be quite honest with everybody, I don't know much about Michigan. I didn't watch much of them this year. Um, I'm going to have to go back and check out some of them and, and see uh, I don't watch much Big Ten football, uh, just in general. I, I really don't really I really don't watch much football outside of the University of Georgia because I just don't have time. That's my, my Saturdays are pretty well stocked with Georgia football. So, uh, you know, we see a couple of big of the big matchups around the, the nation, but it's not like you know I, I take time to to watch every single one I can. Um, but Michigan, I, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting team. I mean, they have got a lot of talent. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, great coach, in my opinion, uh, a guy who finally got over the hump and won that big one. Uh, So, you know, they got to be riding high after all that time. Um, And and, you know, they've they've made it happen. I mean, it's they they deserve to be where they are. Um, You know, Miami on New Year's Eve, that should be that should be cool, I guess. I don't know. We'll be in the damn press box when it turns midnight. So I'm not sure it really matters too much for us to be in South Beach, but. Um, you know, the rest of the week should be fun. I, I I'm interested really to see how Georgia fans will travel um after this game. Uh it will that I will affect- say I will say
1: I having spoken to some people that were looking into tickets, tickets have skyrocketed in, in the last couple of hours. Um you know, I, I've got some friends of mine that that bought tickets for about 200-ish uh earlier in the week uh you know, thinking that hey Maybe that's where Georgia ends up. And, and if not, then then someone else will end up there that, that will want to buy a playoff ticket. And I think what I heard earlier today overheard, uh, thank goodness I'm not having to buy a ticket to that game. Uh, but I heard – 800 was was about the number. Well,
0: let's be uh, let's be fair now. Uh, There's probably a lot of people from Michigan who are looking to get out of Michigan in December to ab- go absolutely, hang out. Absolutely. Beach. So, I can't say I blame them for that either. Uh it's uh, it's it's a different kind of cold Well, and,
1: and and another thing, you know, just as much along the lines of Michigan wanting to get out of there, Michigan fans are, are probably reacting to this playoff run. This, you know, Oh, no question. potential to you know, make a splash, you know, on the national scene, uh, you know, just as much as Georgia fans did in 2017. Maybe even think about the way that Georgia fans traveled out to uh, out to Pasadena, not necessarily an easy trip there. Uh, You know, first college football playoff appearance there first, you know, trying to get the monkey off their back of a national championship Uh, you know, Michigan dealing with a lot of the same narratives that Georgia is there. Uh, you know, we're able to, like you said, able to get that first championship win, uh, under Jim Harbaugh, uh, you know, able to knock off Ohio state for the first time in what seems like forever. Uh, but you know, I, I think that you're, you're right. There probably are a lot of Michigan fans that are eating up those tickets early on, uh, and ready to get down to
0: South beach. Well, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, uh, Michigan has a incredibly proud uh, fan base, uh, an incredibly rich history, um, and, you know, this is what they've been waiting on. Uh, and there's probably nothing that would be sweeter than knocking off, you know, uh, Johnny come lately, Kirby Smart and the, the the Georgia Bulldogs who are trying to overthrow the whole college football system and especially next Saban at Alabama when they get the chance. So, uh, you know, that would be a sweet one for them. Uh looks like the line I'm seeing on this one, seven early. I'm not even going to bother getting into that because it's forever away. Who the hell knows what can happen between now and then? Uh, you know, we've probably got babies to be born, arrests to be made, uh, any number of things that can befall either team. So uh, we won't dive into that one just yet. We'll wait for that a little bit closer. Um, But like I said, you know, I, I think it's I think it'll be fun. Uh It should be an interesting matchup, certainly. I mean, you got two storied programs, two of the biggest in uh, in college football, um, yet yet somehow they've only met twice. Yeah. Yeah. And this will first matchups in 65. Is that right? 65. That's what I had. I said that, or unless you count that, uh, satellite (laughs) camp that, uh, Jim Harbaugh (laughs) held in Lee County a few years back, uh, with that famous, uh, shirtless picture. Um, but you know, I, like I said, I, I think, I think it's an interesting matchup And, and it'll tell the tape. I mean, you'll see, did Georgia get this all cleaned up over three weeks or is this, or is the Georgia we saw in the sec championship really who Georgia is and has been, and they just haven't been exposed. I mean, that's all it's going to boil down to. Um, But like I said, we've got plenty of time to discuss all of that. We've got plenty of time also to discuss recruiting coming up as well. Uh, we won't dive into that just yet, but make sure to stay tuned to dogs HQ this week. Cause we'll have plenty coming in that vein as well. We've got plenty of post-game coverage still coming too. Um, you know, just thought pieces and, and just evaluating. I mean, I think it's fair to take a look back now at the, the entire regular season and, and have a, a, a time to reflect on that, you know, you hear this? This narrative was Georgia playing a super soft schedule the whole time. I don't know. That seems like something we could probably dive into and look into, and maybe maybe it was the case. Who knows? I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not writing anything off after yesterday uh, because, um, like I said, completely different performance from what we've seen to this point. Um, yeah,
1: I'll, I'll I'll tell you, folks. I've got. A, I'm going to do a month in review piece, like I did for September, like I did for October. Waited on it for November just because of who Georgia played in that month, uh, you know, with Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech, and, and knowing that there was going to be a long layoff after an SEC championship game, uh, you know, knowing that the narrative of, of how you define Georgia's regular season was going to largely be set by that game. Uh, and so uh, I'll have that piece coming y'all's way at some point this week. Like you said, a um, lot of just Big overarching uh, themes, overview of this regular season. A um, lot of time between now and and December 31st to uh, to kill, to break down Michigan. I'm sure we'll end up doing some crossover stuff with the On3 site there. Um, excited to have another opportunity to do that. And, uh, you know, ultimately excited to talk some, uh, you know, in, in, in important football. Like I said, it, it's, it's a new season for Georgia, um, you know, No, nobody will care about that Alabama loss if you go win these next two games and you're national
0: champions. Quick question: Does Georgia have an Alabama problem? We'll see.
1: (laughs) I'm Uh, Right now, yeah, I think I I say I say yes. I mean,
0: I say yes, but with the caveat. So does everybody else? But I will say I will say Georgia's got a big monkey on their back. And I put this I put it out on I put the, the, the question out on Twitter. I said, look. And this is a total hypothetical. It's not at all what I think it's going to happen. But I said, imagine a scenario where Georgia wins their playoff game and Alabama loses theirs. Does that make, and Georgia goes on to win a national championship? Does it make it feel a little bit more hollow than it might otherwise? And I was really surprised at how split that reaction was. There were a lot of people who came out and said, look, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't care who we play, I don't care what it takes. All I want's the trophy, and there were simultaneously a lot of people who said, "We've got to kill that dragon in order to make this right." Uh, well, and 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 like I said in my response to that tweet was,
1: mm-hmm. you know, if let let's say that does happen, you know, a lot of football to be played before we can even talk about that, but sure. but and, and a lot of time to kill before we can yeah. even talk about that. But, but if it were to happen and play out that way, you know, the, the narrative of Georgia can't win the big one just becomes Georgia can't beat Alabama. Sure. And, and I think that those two have been tied hand in hand uh, several times, you know, you look back at these, you know, now three championship game meetings under Kirby smart uh, you know, with against Nick Saban, Alabama has been the big one. Absolutely. (laughs) And, 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 and let's be honest, that was probably the big one for Georgia last year too. Sure, I mean, if uh, you could maybe make the case that the Florida game was, uh, since it had championship, in Eastern championship uh, implications, the Peach Bowl was a New Year's Six bowl. But I think that you know when you think back on Georgia's season last year. The, the game that sticks out the most is that Alabama loss. Yep. The game that sticks out the most about those you know, previous couple seasons have been the losses to Alabama. And I think you know, now 20, 2019 ex- excluded because they didn't end up playing the Tide with LSU being the dominant force that they were that year. Um, I, I do think that there is a huge monkey on Georgia's back. Um, it's the elephant in the room. No pun intended, and it's it's Alabama. Uh, you know whether Georgia can beat them or not.
0: I agree. Uh, hard to say otherwise, uh, but. Like I said, we'll dive into all that uh, moving forward. So, um, like I said, get over to Dogs HQ. Uh, plenty coming when it comes to month interview. Um, Palmer's going to keep you stocked up with T News between now and December 31st. Um, we're planning to be in Miami. So, uh, we will have all the coverage from there, but that's uh, it's a ways away. Let's make it through Christmas first. How about that? Uh, let's how make, about, it, let's, early how about make it through early signing day. Yeah, exactly. Close. Um, get, your but, prior, get your priorities straight, Jake. Oh, God. Um, but uh, regardless, like I said, get over there. We'll have you covered on everything at Dogs HQ. That wraps it up for us today. For Palmer Toms and myself, Jake Roos, this has been another edition of Dog Walk Talk presented to you by Dogs HQ.